Hello, welcome to A Whole Lot of True Crime. Uh, Today we'll be talking about the Sodder family disappearance. Um, I've known about this case for kind of a long time. It's kind of what got me into true crime a little bit. Um, It's very interesting. A lot of different details, but also very frustrating because it's still unsolved, which does not make sense. Um, Today I'm just going to lay out the entire case for you. Um, and then some theories I have. Uh, so let's get started. Um, I'm going to set the scene for you. Uh, the year was 1945 in Fayetteville, Virginia. Um, it's like 1 a.m. Uh, there's a lot of characters in the story, by the way, um, so just try to keep up. Okay, so George, Jenny, and their nine children were in their house, and this is on Christmas Eve at, like, 1 a.m. Their nine children were named Sylvia, Marion, John, George, Maurice, Martha, Louise, Jenny, and Betty. So, they're all sleeping, and Jenny, the mom, hears the phone ring, so she goes downstairs and goes to check the phone. Before she gets to the phone, it stops ringing, so she goes back upstairs. Um, An important detail to remember is all of the lights are on at this time. Um, She goes upstairs, she's laying down in her bed, and as she's falling asleep, she hears a loud bump on the roof, and then a little followed by like a rolling sound. She doesn't think anything of it, and she goes to sleep. Uh... 30 minutes later, she wakes up to smoke in her bedroom, and the entire house is on fire. She get- they all get out of their house, or so they thought. Um, only Sylvia, Mary, and John, and George, and then George and Jenny, the mom, escaped, which left Maurice, Martha, Louise, Jenny, and Betty in the house. George, the dad, was like, I'm gonna- save my kids, you know. Um, so he tried to break into the house, but the staircase was on fire. Uh, the next thing he went to go do is look for a ladder, but suspiciously, the ladder was missing. The next thing he was gonna do was go, next thing he was gonna go do was go start up his coal trucks, um, and, like, put them next to the side of the house so he could, like, climb on top of them into the window, which, I don't think it was the safest idea than being coal trucks right next to a fire. I don't know. Some people are just... I, I don't know. But those were not starting either. Marion, one of the kids, was like, I gotta call the fire department. So she went to a neighbor's house and they called twice and there's no response. A little fishy. Um, so the neighbor actually drove up to the fire department and found the fire, the fire, um, chief, F.J. Morris, and, you know, he's just sitting there doing nothing. So they told him about the fire, um, this was at, like, probably, like, 2 a.m., get this, the fire department didn't get there till 8 a.m. You want to know how far away the fire department was? 2.5 miles away. By the time that they got to the fire, the house was, like, completely ash. Which was really strange because remember that there were five kids that were supposedly left in the fire. 
Um, the fire chief uh, suggested that the bones were cremated. We'll look a little bit more on a theory about that because I don't believe that. Um, the neighbors also reported no smell of burning flesh, which means that you know how are they cremated? Like how? You know they only smell. I don't know what a burning house smells like, but that's what they smelled, and they didn't smell any burning flesh. I know what that smells like, and it's very distinct smell. <laughs> um, don't ask me how I know what it smells like, but I do. Like, I'm serious. Um, anyway. So the fire department suggested that bad wiring was the cause of the fire. But George, the dad, actually had the wiring checked earlier that fall and they deemed it was safe. Another thing that's weird is the lights were on while the fire was burning. And like I said, remember that the lights were on before the fire started. Um... It wasn't faulty wiring because they were still on. They weren't, like, shorting out, um, which is also a really weird detail, which suggests that, you know, the fire, the fire chief is wrong. He's dumb. Okay, anyway, let's talk about George, the dad. Um, George immigrated from Italy. Um, we don't know why he did. There was no, he didn't give any reason. But the town that they lived in, was a very Italian community, and they were really supportive of everything going on in Italy at the time um, Mussolini was in charge. And guess who didn't like Mussolini? George. George hated Mussolini. Um, and he was very vocal about it in his community. And a lot of people didn't like him because of that. Which is a possible motive. Um, anyway... Some weird things that happened before the house started on fire. Um, one occurrence was this life insurance salesman came to the house. And when his sale wasn't going the way he wanted to, he became mad and started yelling at George and told him, this is a quote, um, your goddamn house is going to go up in smoke and your children are going to be destroyed. You're going to pay for the dirty remarks you've been making about Mussolini, end quote. That's case closed. Um, I don't know what else to say about that than just that's that's it right there. Um, there's a motive and, you know, he says your house is going to go up in smoke and your children are going to be destroyed. That's what happened. Or, yeah. So, and the thing is, the police department didn't really look into this life insurance salesman at all, which really makes me upset because he basically admitted to doing it. So, okay. Anyway, uh, two days after the fire, the children found a man following them home from school. Uh, on the other side of the road, there were two children walking, um, two of the children, and there was a man on the other side of the street writing stuff down which was strange. They went home and told their parents about it, and they didn't like the looks of that either. Um, a couple days later, uh, George actually decided to make the house a memorial, like where the, where the fire had happened. He bulldozed over it, um, 
And when it was all finished, the children decided they were going to go visit um, Sylvia. The youngest child actually found a hard rubber object in the yard, which is what they think was the loud bang on the roof the night of the fire. Um, looking at it, George believed that it was a napalm pineapple bomb, uh, which is like a small, it looks like kind of like a grenade bottom, but on the top it has like long sticks that point out the top. Um, and those were actually used at the war at the time. So it makes sense that that would have been used. I mean, it's small and it, it's effective. Um, going back to the theory about the children being cremated in the fire, Jenny did not believe that. Jenny, the mom, did not believe that. She was like, you're wrong. That did not happen. So she took it upon herself to start experimenting with her, like, with bones not her own bones, um, animal bones, and everything that she burnt always left remains. Uh, for some context, lava is 1,800, or lava is 2,000 degrees. Bones cremate at 1,800 degrees Fahrenheit, which is crazy, because usually bones take, like, about two hours to burn, and the house actually only burned for 45 minutes and the house would have have to been that almost as hot as lava to burn the bones and it doesn't make sense that the bones were cremated either because they found remains of appliances in the fire um i'm gonna give some sightings of the children because people have reported that like seeing the children um that night, actually, the night of the fire, a woman claimed to see the children in the backseat of a car driving down the road out of town. And then that morning, 50 miles west, a lady who operated a tourist spot said that she served them breakfast. Uh, she actually reported this to the authorities and she gave a description of the two women and the two men. They were all Italian. The man was very hostile and did not let her speak to the children or even look at them, um, which was very strange. Um, George was actually sent a picture of New York school children, and one of them looked like Betty. Um, this is a couple years later, um, and he decided he was going to drive to New York, then track down the parents and speak to them. He drove all the way to New York. And the parents were like, no, you're not speaking to her. Which sucks, because then he had to go turn around and go back home empty-handed. The FBI actually decided they wanted to get involved in this case. But you know what? The Fayetteville Police and Fire Department both turned down help from the FBI. Which makes no sense. Why would you turn down help from the FBI? I, why? They're either really stupid or, you know, they're in on it. Um, George and Jenny uh, decided to hire a PI then because nothing was working. Um, the PI's name was C.C. Tinsley. And some of the findings he found were strange. Uh, I don't know why they were investigated, they weren't investigated more by the police department, but... One of the members of the coroner's jury 
who decided that the fire was an accident and the children were pronounced dead, was the same freaking life insurance salesman that told them that their house was going to go up in fire. I don't know why that's not more prominent part of the case. And why they did not look into this guy more. It makes me so upset. Um, he also interviewed a lot of the townspeople and he found that there was a rumor that the town's minister, or not the, the town minister, told Cece Tinsley that there was a rumor going around that the fire chief had actually found a heart in the fire and buried it in a box where the home was. Uh, Cece Tinsley's like, I don't believe this. So he dug it up and sure enough, there's a box. Open the box. And it was not a heart. It was a beef liver. And it was never burned. Why the fire chief did this? We don't know. He said he wanted to provide closure to the family. That does not make sense. I He is so sus. I don't like him at all. Also, why would you do that? Like, where are you just going to find a like a heart in a fire you know like a full heart in a fight that doesn't make sense some people are so stupid anyway they also uh hired a patholo- pathologist i can't speak i'm sorry i can't say that word um but that's someone who like looks at examines bones um for a living and his name was oscar b hunter and he dug up four pieces of vertebrae from the wreckage um, and decides to send them to the Smithsonian. The bones were from a 16 to 17 year old male, but the oldest child missing was 14 year old Maurice. So that doesn't check out. Um, and the bones were never exposed to fire, so it doesn't check out at all. And actually... Um, in my notes, I was looking at web sleuths and because that people are still actively searching for the answer to this case, they discovered that the bones were from a grave in Mount Hope and not from, it wasn't connected to the fire at all. So someone had placed them in the wreckage for Oscar B. Hunter to find. And this was before DNA, so the bones couldn't have been, like, tested. Um, So the bones were even back to George, and they were lost. Nobody knows where they are. Um, The governor, Oakley L. Patterson, called a hearing, and this is when they declared the case closed. So nobody was going to work on the case anymore. George and Jenny became very upset by this because their five children were still missing. Um, And they set up a billboard on the side of the highway and it remained there for like 40 years. And it said it... And it said that there would be like a two... Not not 2000... $10,000 cash reward if you found the children. Um, And that was up for 40 years. And then 23 years later, I know this is a big jump, in 1968, George was, or no, Jenny was sent as, Jenny was sent a postcard, only addressed to her, not addressed to the family, 
Um, and it was a photo of a man in his mid-twenties who looked like Luis, who was nine at the time of the fire, which would make sense because this was 20 years, 23 years later, so he'd be, like, around, like, 30, right? Something, like, 20, like, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm kind of stupid. Um, there's a photo of him, and it said, Louis Sodder, I love Brother Frankie, Lil Boys, A9, zero one three two or thirty five end quote that's what it said on the back of the postcard i don't know what that means but it means something uh it was actually from kentucky there was no return address on it but it was from kentucky they hired a pi again but the detective was never heard of again like he got paid, and they never heard from him again, which doesn't make sense either, because why would one PI just take money from one gig, like, that's not enough to, like, support you, you know, for life, I don't know, it doesn't make sense if you get what I'm feeling, sorry, I'm kind of all over the place today, um, anyway, but, George Sauter died in 1969, a year later, at age 74, and Jenny died about 10 years later, in 1989, at age 85. Sylvia, who was two at the time, still believes that her siblings did not die in the fire that night, and that, you know, they're still out there, or they could have been still out there. They would be pretty old by now, but... Uh, their grandchild, Sylvia's daughter, actually is an active member on the Websleuths website, um, trying to keep this case open, like, for them, um, and trying to keep answers coming in. Now that I presented the whole case to you, I'm gonna go over some of my theories. Okay. So my first theory is that you know, Georgia was not liked in the town at all. Um, everybody was Italian. Everybody liked Mussolini. And I think that the life insurance salesman was a spokesperson. And he was the guy that was, like, scoping out everything. Um, I think he was also the guy that was following the children after the fire. Um... I think that he was part of the mafia. I hope I don't, like, die by saying this. No, because this isn't going to be published anywhere. Uh, I think that it was the mafia that was definitely involved in this. I think they did not like that George did not like Mussolini. And maybe he got into a little bit of, like, shady business in Italy. And, like, that's why he moved. Because he didn't want his family to be hurt. Um, and I think that the mafia had the police and the fire department both involved, and that's why they also turned down the FBI, because they didn't want their, their whole, you know, little, little thing to get, like, expedited. They didn't want it to be, like, they didn't want anybody to know. Because they were probably getting paid a hefty sum of money, like, 
and the coroner's office because they probably had to pay their way to get that one dude on the coroner's jury because I don't even know, like, the life insurance salesman. Oh, he makes me so angry. Anyway, so I think that, you know, George wasn't liked, so that's what happened. And his children got taken from him. And I don't think they were killed at all. I think that some of the sightings are true sightings. I think that they were maybe separated. Um, Because he did see a picture of them in New York. And then he did see one from Kentucky. It could have been that they all moved together. But I feel like they would have been separated just to keep, like... Like, so nobody would have been like, oh, five children, they all look similar. No, that's them, you know? Would have kept it a little bit more, you know, low-key. So that's what I think happened. Um, This case is very interesting. And I wish, you know, it was still open. But sadly, it's not. Thank you for listening, though. I appreciate it. Uh, Even though I was kind of all over the place today, I have done this now four times, and it's very early in the morning. Anyway, thank you for listening to a whole lot of true crime. I hope you have a good day. Thank you.